Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Draft season is here. The Chiefs are champions, and I've got my first mock draft coming up right now. College football has never been better. Interest has never been higher. I believe that we are at the dawn of the golden age of college football. It was an epic day of college football. It was one of those days where you fall in love with the sport all over again. Let the speculation begin. Here we go. It is mock draft time on the Joel Klatt Show. I am Joel Klatt. Thank you for making us a part of your college football offseason and now your NFL draft prep season. Um, Listen, wherever you're listening, go ahead and, and subscribe to our show. Follow our show. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the channel and then leave a comment below. If you uh, are following, I have been jumping in a little bit in those comments down below. So uh, jump down there and leave a comment. Make sure to subscribe everywhere. And then on social media, a lot of our draft content will end up falling on uh, or falling to social media. So make sure to follow us wherever you like to social at Joel Klatt Show. We're everywhere. Let's get into it. This is um, a really fun season. I love the draft. Obviously, you love the draft. Uh, and a lot of this is is speculative, clearly. And so it's, it's very different than actually what I get to do and what we do in the fall, which is talk about things that are more con- concrete. This, and in particular, the first mock draft, you can really be creative and throw out some scenarios that would be really fun. And I've got uh, a lot of those for you here in this Mock Draft 1.0. Let's get started. Here we go. On the clock, the Chicago Bears. As we sit here today, right after the Super Bowl, I I truly believe Chicago is going to end up trading Justin Fields and going with Caleb Williams, number one, the quarterback from USC. I know that this is widely consensus, but there's, there's a lot of things that make sense in this pick for me. Number one is the talent of Caleb Williams. I mean, that that can't be overlooked. We have seen for two years now this guy be the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes that we've seen come through college football since Patrick Mahomes. And in so many ways, he's even more polished and, and at least in college, better than even Mahomes was when Mahomes was at Texas Tech. And you see what Mahomes has done establishing himself as the best player in the NFL, now three-time Super Bowl champion, and a guy that's almost impossible to beat in the postseason. You know, Williams delivers so many of those attributes, the ability to make plays outside of the pocket. This guy is absolutely deadly on the run. I think it's, it's it's, it's his best attribute. So obviously all of that. 
But then you just get into the Justin Fields conversation, and this is not an indictment on Fields. And I don't think that this is a conversation or an evaluation between the two specific players because the details surrounding these players are so vastly different. Remember, you're looking at Fields entering the fourth year of a rookie deal, and now you're going to have to make a decision. Are you signing him to a long, long-term long contract? Why not start the rookie contract clock over? I think that's more beneficial than anything, right? So you've got to evaluate that as part of the evaluation between a guy like Caleb Williams and Justin Fields. So mainly because of that is why I think Chicago should move forward, go back to the first year of a rookie contract, continue to get more draft picks by trading Justin Fields and going with Caleb Williams and number one. That puts the commanders on the clock and the commanders are going to take, I think, Drake May. Drake May, to me, without Williams in the draft, would be a slam dunk number one pick in the draft. This is a guy that is insanely talented. I got to call one of his games. It was the Holiday Bowl last year, not this last one, but uh, between um, USC and Louisville, but last year when it was North Carolina, Oregon. And May, even in a loss to the Ducks, was sensational. I mean, my, my jaw was on the floor most of the night in the booth just because of, of some of the plays and throws that he was making. He is a bit Josh Allen 2.0 for me. And, and when you look at him in college, he's better than what Allen was at Wyoming. He's big. There is some athleticism in the pocket, but then his ability to get the ball out and, and on target, I think, is, is pretty exquisite. Kingsbury is their new OC. Sam Howell led the league in picks this year with 21. This is an opportunity to, again, get at the beginning of a rookie contract and get a guy that's insanely talented. The Patriots now at number three. So the Patriots have to go quarterback as well. And for me, the number three quarterback on my list is Jaden Daniels from LSU. Daniels was sensational as the Heisman Trophy winner. And he does so many things that now in the modern day NFL, I think, translate. Ten years ago, I think there would have been a bigger debate surrounding Jaden Daniels. One, because it's not like he's the biggest quarterback I've ever seen in order to be mobile. But his mobility and athleticism, along with his ability to attack down the field, throwing the ball in intermediate and downfield zones, that combination makes him very attractive to the next level. I think it's pretty obvious New England has been searching for a QB. Mac Jones is not going to be the answer. He was benched for the last six games for Bailey Zappi. And neither of those guys is the future. So the future in New England, at least for my seat, looks to be Jaden Daniels, the quarterback at LSU. Number four, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so the Cardinals here, you know, they're set with Kyler. They gave him the big, big extension. Now you got to give them weapons. They do have a couple of picks here. Um, and from my seat, at least, I look at this Cardinals team as a team that needs weapons on the outside. The best one is Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. I think that's a pretty easy pick. You know how I feel about him. I think he's the best non-quarterback in the draft. That's an easy selection for Arizona. Then Jim Harbaugh's on the clock with the LA Chargers. And, and this one, this is one of those that gets interesting to me. I think it's pretty easy to do the first four, but then the Chargers, it's like, well, where do the Chargers want to go? Do they want to go defense? Do they want to go offensive line? Or do they want to get Herbert a weapon? And I just start looking at the board here, and I think to myself, like, man, knowing what I know about Jim Harbaugh, knowing what I know about his philosophy, the way that he likes to play offense, 
and all the offenses that he's had, dating back to Stanford, and then with the 49ers, and then obviously with Michigan, what did they always have? A versatile group of tight ends. Brock Bowers to the Chargers. Come on. And and there would be some that would be like, no, he's a flex tight end. Jim Harbaugh wants a you know grind it out tight end that wants to be in line. Not necessarily, because the the deal with Michigan over the last few years, and even if you go back to the 49ers with a guy like Vernon Davis, is that yes, you've got to be versatile and have the ability to go down low, which I think Bowers does, but he also wants to put two and three tight ends on the field and then have the ability to be in that big personnel group, force the defense to also get big, and then hurt you with a flex-style fast tight end, which is exactly what Bowers is. So to me, Bowers fits Jim Harbaugh perfectly and what the Chargers will be trying to do under that philosophy. Um, I love that pick. That was my first one that I was like, yep, I love this. This one seems like a great fit, Bowers under Jim Harbaugh. Giants at six. Um, between Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, I think they're going wide receiver here. Giants need playmakers. I personally would take Adunze. I think he's phenomenal. This guy is bigger than you think he is. He is a really good route runner. And if not for what I would categorize as a generational talent in Marvin Harrison Jr., I think Adunze would would widely be considered the best playmaker at the wide receiver position in the draft. So I like Adunze to the Giants. That leaves the Titans on the clock. And the Titans, you know, they gave up the fourth most sacks in the league last year. And this draft is heavy on offensive tackles. This is one of the things that I really love about this draft is that we've got a lot of quarterbacks. We've got very good wide receivers. And we've got a really good, deep group of offensive linemen. This has not been the case in every single draft. And this year, certainly, you've got a good, deep group of offensive linemen. And because of that, I do think that there's going to be some differences and variance in the way that teams evaluate these players. I don't know if there is a surefire number one offensive tackle based on their differences. I think teams may evaluate these guys a bit differently. Now, it would surprise me a great deal if Joe Alt were not one of the first two, at least on the board. I think he's going to be a consensus up there in the top two. He's my top tackle, so I like Joe Alt from Notre Dame going to Tennessee there with the number seven pick. Falcons, they need some edge help. I like Dallas Turner as my best edge rusher. So I've got Dallas Turner from Bama. He's going to Atlanta, and he stays down in the south, and he'll be a Falcon. Now the Bears back on the clock. And this is what's interesting uh, from this standpoint, because now, at least in my draft, you've got Caleb Williams. And with Caleb pulling the trigger, you need guys on the outside. Now, Harrison and Odunze are already off the board. So could you be, and and Bowers for that matter. So you're like, well, is it really going to be deep enough at the skill position to to continue to go down that rabbit hole? I think it is. And again, Malik Neighbors from LSU is a really great player. So giving Caleb Williams more help on the outside, he's able now to pair up with DJ Moore, and now you've got something on the offensive side. And to be fair to Justin Fields, something that Fields never really had was an adequate group on the outside that could really go and get it. So neighbors to the Bears, and now the Bears in the top 10, their two picks are going to trade Fields, potentially get more picks. Maybe they package that number nine selection, which they got from Carolina for last year's Bryce Young. 
maybe they package that one, but they're going to have multiple picks. So now all of a sudden you're sitting there, you're going to get more picks. You've got more depth. You've got more rookie contracts and you've got Caleb Williams and Malik neighbors. I think bears fans would be pretty excited about that. 10th pick the jets. J E T S. Um, I think you got to maximize these years. You're going to get Aaron Rodgers back. You got to be able to protect him. I like this is this is a good enough defense. Garrett Wilson's still on the outside. Like if you can protect this guy at all, the Jets should be pretty good. The Jets should be a playoff team. And because of that, I like Olu Fashionu from Penn State. I got to cover him a bunch. Wonderful human being. Maybe a better player, maybe a better human than player, but vice versa, he's still great in both categories. And, and this is a guy that I, I still think is just scratching the surface. I think Olu has the highest upside of any offensive lineman in the draft just because he is so raw. What we saw this last year was him just scratching the surface. I think it was a great move for him. He would have been maybe the top offensive tackle taken off the board last year, decided to come back for his education, got his degree, and now he's going to be the top one or two tackle taken this year. But it was never about that for him. He wanted to get his degree and continue to develop and develop into more of an NFL offensive lineman. He did that. He did that. I thought he had a really good year, so I like fashion new to the Jets. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I think the Viking, Vikings need help in their secondary. My top corner in the draft is going to be Terrian Arnold from Alabama, at least at this point, as I'm kind of diving into these guys. So I like Terrian Arnold to, to the Vikings there, and, and Bama's got a couple of defenders taken in the top 11. So that's Turner off the board, that's Arnold off the board, and, and again, like, there's good corners in this draft as well. There's going to be a few of them in this, in this first-round mock that I give you. But now we get to the Broncos. You could argue that this is maybe where the draft starts because we know there's going to be quarterbacks taken up high. Denver may, although they don't have a lot of ammunition to do so, want to jump up. If one of these evaluations, like if all of a sudden Sean Payton just falls in love with Jaden Daniels or Drake May and it's just like, I got to have it. They may try to package something, but Denver doesn't have a second round pick. They have to get a quarterback. The Russell Wilson deal, it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. And they're going to be losing so much money on that from a cap hit perspective. They've got to get cheap at that position. To me, Denver's going quarterback. And they have to. They have to. They don't have the guy. And this was a team, by the way, that was hot and almost got themselves back into the playoffs. Think about that. The marriage between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson did not work, Okay. Russell Wilson, stylistically, is just not the type of player that Sean Payton is going to have success with. Sean Payton wants to have a guy that's basically a point guard on the field because what Sean likes to do is call a lot of what I would call like scat protections in big moments where he's only going to protect with five up front 
and then five free releases, and he's counting on the quarterback to, one, protect himself with his feet and then get the ball out on time to the correct spot. This is what Drew was so great at. He was so great. He was he was a tactician and and a and a point guard in, in so many different ways. Now he was accurate with the football as well. I mean, Drew's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt. And it's hard to replicate that. But this might be a little high for this guy, but the guy that I think fits best in that mold as an experienced, smart, point guard style, accurate passer, ball in the right spot at the right moment is Bo Nix from Oregon. So I like Bo Nix to Denver at 12. Now, are they going to stay at 12? Do they need to move up? I'm not sure. Maybe they can move back a little bit and get Bo Nix. But without a second-round draft pick, they've got to address that now. Okay? I think a lot of these quarterbacks that we value highly are going to get selected in the first round. It's a great quarterback draft. We may rival that 1983 draft. Hopefully in performance you know, from a, from a longevity standpoint, but certainly just in, in terms of quantity of players taken in the first round in one draft. Knicks at 12 makes so much sense to me for Denver because of the fit of his style, what, he's, what his strengths are, and what Sean Payton wants out of the quarterback. Russell Wilson wants to hold the ball, dance, figure things out, and create. That's not how Sean runs. That's why you saw this. It was like oil and water in a lot of respects. The way that they were operating on third downs, you would see. And I'm a Bronco fan. I grew up in Denver. So I would watch all of those games. And on third down, you could tell they were running scat protection. You would see a free release out of the backfield. You would see a bullet release from a like a weak side, kind of a fullback H-back. Not protecting, not even chipping, not even checking in protection. He's just out on a little bullet release. And then, like, Russell Wilson would be holding the ball, and there would be a blitz. And you could see Sean Payton, and he was like, what are you doing? Okay, so the marriage philosophically didn't work. I think it would work a lot better with Bo Nix. And so I got Bo Nix at 12 there to the Broncos. At number 13, it's the Raiders. Um, I think they need help up front. I do think they need to get more physical. Offensive tackle from Oregon State, uh, Taliese Fuaga. I like Fuaga a lot. Not many people got to see him a ton, but he was terrific for Jonathan Smith. The last couple of years, Oregon State was a really good running team, and in large part due to Fuaga. He was one of the best offensive linemen in the country, and, and I like that pick there to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Saints up at 14. Saints need help on the edge. We're getting now to my second rated edge player that's Jared Verse from Florida State. Verse is a really good athletic player. I like him a lot. Uh, I, I could see him with double-digit sacks early in his career, so I've got Verse to the Saints. The Colts need help on their defense, in particular in the secondary. There's a guy that I don't think a lot of people know, but um, if, if you were able to watch you know, college football at depth, you would know the name Quinion Mitchell. And Mitchell, a, a player that played at Toledo, he's he's long. I he's got good speed. He's fluid, and so Mitchell is a guy that I think could be an under the radar riser in the first round. And maybe you know the Colts look at that secondary and and they want to bolster things up. And then we get to the Seahawks. Oh, the interest with the 16th pick. And I do think that this is interesting in large part due to the fact that they've got a new coaching staff. 
This is not Pete Carroll anymore. And now they've got this young guy, Mike McDonald, who is a defensive-oriented coach. Now, Pete was as well, so this is not a huge departure from what they've been. But Mike McDonald coached under John Harbaugh, then Jim Harbaugh, then John Harbaugh again. What do you think he's going to be trying to build? The Raven-Michigan way. That's going to be a great defense, hard edges, run stuffer in the middle, good hybrid players in the secondary, and then on offense, an offense that can ground and pound and then have a quarterback that can create. In order to play at the top end with this philosophy, you have to have a quarterback that can create. You just have to. This is why Baltimore is succeeding, although they didn't get to the Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. This is why Michigan ultimately got over the hump and won the national championship is because they had a quarterback that could raise the level of their offense. All things being equal, when you couldn't just overpower the opposition, they had a quarterback that could do what? Completed on fourth down against Alabama. Go get a first down when he needed to in several different games, but namely in you know the Ohio State game, big games. Nobody in this draft outside of Jim Harbaugh is going to know J.J. McCarthy as well as Mike McDonald, who was the coordinator at Michigan when J.J. McCarthy was a freshman at Michigan. Now, he wasn't the full-time starter, remember? Caden McNamara was the full-time starter that year, but J.J. got sprinkled in there. And even then, trust me, I called a lot of their games, everybody knew that this guy was the future. Now, you also look at the way that he played over the last two years, his record at Michigan, his talent, which will jump off the tape, even though he didn't throw the ball like Michael Penix did all over the yard or like Caleb Williams did or like Drake May did all over the yard or even Jaden Daniels, this guy played a great complementary style to the philosophy that Michigan wanted to run. I think that's going to be really attractive to Mike McDonald. Now, here's what's interesting about this is that now Ryan Grubb is the new offensive coordinator for Mike McDonald, so he's going to leave the DeBoer tree. He was the coordinator for the Washington Huskies. He was going to follow Kalen DeBoer down to Alabama to be the coordinator. Now he leaves and goes back to Seattle, this time as the Seahawks offensive coordinator. So there's going to be a lot of people that are like, well, the Michael Penix fit is just going to fit too much, but this is still Mike McDonald's call. Mike McDonald the head coach, is not going to want to play offense necessarily like Washington did. They're not going to try to throw it all over the lot. I just don't think that that's the case. Mike's going to be trying to put the philosophy and the the organizational structure in place just like Michigan and just like Baltimore. What better quarterback to do that than the guy that just succeeded at the highest end, went 15-0 last year, won a national championship, J.J. McCarthy. I like J.J. McCarthy to the Seahawks. Gosh, that would be great. That would be great. And and the draft would be on fire in Detroit. I mean, it would, I would love it. And by the way, JJ is, is a lot more, he's more NFL ready than you think. Okay. People are going to be like, well, he, he didn't do anything. Look at his numbers. He doesn't drop back and throw. He does drop back and throw, not to the quantity or volume that some of the other players do in this draft. But man, if you see some of his throws in straight drop back, you're going to be like, yep, there it is. There it is, like the um, the touchdown that he threw against Ohio State. That was that was an incredible touchdown, right over the middle. He sees the back of the defender, threads the needle, 
I mean, Roman Wilson was not open. And yet he was open because of the throw. Let's just put it that way. All right, Jags. Um, I think the Jaguars need help in the defensive secondary. I like Nate Wiggins of Clemson. So Nate Wiggins gets his name called uh, by the Jaguars. The Bengals need offensive line help. Um, I think this is the start of the run on tackles. I think there's going to be a, a few right here kind of in, in, in the back middle of the first round. I like J.C. Latham out of Bama. He was a right tackle at Bama. you got to protect Joe Burrow. They've had a lot of, not just like issues, but they've had a lot of things like they need to solidify their offensive line. So I like Latham. Uh, they're the Bengals. Rams, similarly, I think offensive line makes a lot of sense. You're not going to get that many years with Matt Stafford, so guess what? You better protect him. How about Amarius Mims from Georgia? He played right tackle at Georgia. I think he could step in and play for the Rams. The Steelers, similarly, I think they need to go offensive line. Watch for Tyler Guyton. He played right tackle at OU, so Tyler Guyton is a guy that I could see go. And as we always know, and I love doing this in my mock drafts, when we get to Thursday night of the draft in Detroit, we know that there's going to be a run on a position group, right? All of a sudden, it starts to happen. Now, there's generally trades that end up coming in there because some team realizes like, okay, here comes the run on that position, whether it's going to be the wide receivers or the tackles. I think there's going to be a run on offensive tackles at some point in the first round. And, and I've got it right here in the middle of the first, 18, 19, and 20. Now, 21, the Dolphins are, are on the clock. This is, uh, I think, a very fascinating pick. And the reason is, is because they need to make a decision on Tua's contract. He's entering year five of his rookie deal. And as I explained earlier, there are so many advantages to not paying your quarterback that second deal. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this with, with as much compassion as I can, in particular being a guy that struggled immensely with concussions. I suffered 10 concussions in my three years as a quarterback in college. Some of you might be going like, oh, now it makes a lot of sense. And to those of you, touche. Giving Tua a huge deal, I think is risky. I think it's risky. He has been injury prone outside of that, but that's clearly something that I can just, well, let me just say like from, from firsthand experience, it doesn't get better. It's not like a ligament. Okay. So what ends up happening here happening is less and less of an impact creates more symptoms and a greater degree of those symptoms. So that makes me nervous. I have said this before. A guy that I could see stepping into that offense with that coach with those weapons and looking like he did in college is Michael Penix. Imagine starting over with a rookie deal at that position, solidifying some of the things that they've got, in particular in their skill position, and having a guy that, quite honestly, is a better downfield passer than Tua. Pinnock's is a better downfield passer than Tua. 
Tua does a lot of things well. And in some respects, like if I was Sean Payton and Tua was on the open market, that would be a perfect marriage. So I'm not saying that like Tua is not going to be in the league, but I'm just saying if you're the Dolphins, you got to really think about this. Yes, you know, Tyreek had a great year. How many times did Tyreek have to adjust on an underthrown ball? Now, maybe that's a bad example because the guy is so fast, but it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Meanwhile, the best attribute that Michael Penix has, the number one attribute, is his ability to throw with great leverage and accuracy down the field. Down the field. Him in that offense, to me, is like, I want to see it. I think it would be amazing. And so Penix to the Dolphins. Um, number 22, the Eagles. Uh, I think that they've got to find their heir apparent inside to Jason Kelsey. I like Jackson Powers Johnson. He was a center. He doesn't have to play center. Um, you know, there's not a lot of centers necessarily to get taken early in the draft. Tyler Linderbaum got taken by Baltimore. He's a pro bowler this year. But for me, Jackson Powers Johnson can play guard as well. He's an interior offensive lineman. And so I think that the Eagles... And that's one of those picks you'd be like, oh, man, did they really get him? Because he is an excellent player. Texans here at 23. This one's from the Browns. Imagine, okay, so they had this great year. They go to the playoffs. They've got the, the rookie offensive, or excuse me, the, the offensive rookie of the year in C.J. Stroud, the defensive rookie of the year in Will Anderson. You would assume that C.J. is going to continue to get better and better and better. And guess what? Guess what you need if you're going to have the lead, if you're going to have a quarterback that, that can get the lead? Guess what the best thing you can do is? Present a pass rush on the opposition. That's the way you close out games. That's what the late Bill Walsh always talked about. Get a lead, close it out with a pass rush. You've got Will Anderson, but why not give him another partner on the opposite side? Latu Latu from UCLA. Double-digit sacks the last two years. He's got a great story, and we're going to get into it throughout this process, but he was medically retired at Washington after a neck surgery, found a home, at UCLA after getting cleared, kind of a second uh, lease on his football life, and he's taken advantage of it. I like uh, Latu there from UCLA to the Texans. Cowboys. This is not a sexy pick for the Cowboys, but Jordan Morgan, the offensive tackle for Arizona, makes a lot of sense. Tyron Smith is 33 and a free agent, so like bolstering that offensive line I think makes a lot of sense, so I've got Morgan to the Cowboys. The Packers desperately need help on the interior of their defense to stop the run. How about Byron Murphy from Texas? I like Byron Murphy. He played great for Sark there uh, at Texas. The Bucks need help in their secondary. Um, how about the ball hawk from Iowa, Cooper DeGene? And seven interceptions, three pick sixes over the last couple of years. I love Cooper, obviously. Got a chance to cover him at Iowa. Here's that second Cardinals pick that I was talking about. And earlier, I got Marvin Harrison. And here, from the Texans at 27, they had the third fewest sacks in the league last year. They can get Marvin Harrison and then double up and get Chop Robinson, the edge rusher from Penn State. Chop Robinson is a hell of a player. A hell of a player. I toyed around with putting Chop Robinson up there at 24 with the Cowboys to pair him back with a college kind of teammate, even though it was a couple of years ago in, in uh, um, Micah Parsons. Both Penn State guys. Chop is explosive on the edge. I like that for the Cardinals. The Bills, and this is where it always, like 28 on down, you got these really good teams that can just bolster wherever they need. These are always need picks and or for me, just like best player available. And then you end up scratching your head and like, how did that team get this player? 
The Bills need to do something on the outside for uh, Josh Allen. Diggs is 30 now. Gabe Davis is a free agent. And this is a wide receiver heavy draft. So why not Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU? I like Brian Thomas Jr. I, I like him a lot. So give him to Josh Allen. The Lions desperately need uh, help in the secondary. I think that that was obvious in, in their run. What a great run that they had, by the way. And so for me, their pass defense, second worst in, the, in yards per attempt, They've got to help the pass rush, which I still think is pretty good, but you've got to help that with a quality secondary. Enos Rakestraw from Missouri, a corner. I think he's a good player. Um, I could see him there with the Lions at 29. The Ravens, wasn't it apparent? Now, I didn't love their game plan, and I thought that they should have run the football more against Kansas City. And in fact, Kyle Shanahan fell into the same trap in the Super Bowl in a lot of ways. And, and while they got to the run eventually, it worked early. They went away from it when they could have pulled away. They got a couple of turnovers. Like, you've got to run the ball against Kansas City, right? But then you also have to have the ability to play action and have guys that can go create and win in the 50-50 situation after you establish the run. So I like Keon Coleman from FSU there. Big athletic wide receiver that can win in the 50-50 situation. And to me, that kind of fits what Lamar will give you. Um, that's an interesting pick there. For, for the 49ers at 31, you know, bolstering the secondary, I think is 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 a big, I think a big one. You could help out that pass rush. And who knows, maybe they see Mahomes again and why not get more quality defensive backs? It's clearly worked for Kansas City. How about Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama? I like the corner from Bama right there. And then the Chiefs get to pick, and it's like I started looking at the list, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I haven't selected this player yet, and is Patrick Mahomes really going to get a guy that I could easily categorize as the second or third best wide receiver in college football last year, and that's Oregon's Troy Franklin. If you could give Patrick Mahomes Troy Franklin, like, are you kidding me? That's insane. That's insane. I love that selection. I think Troy is a hell of a player. And, and getting Pat more help, I mean, he just won the Super Bowl without a great core of wide receivers. They've got a young secondary. They've got a defense that you would expect to be quality again. It, it sounded like in the postgame, Travis Kelsey, he's back. They want the three-peat. Get him a young wide receiver that can go play right, right away. Man, how about Troy Franklin? So if you're counting, that would be six quarterbacks. That would tie the 83 draft for the most ever in a first round. I think we're going to get there. I, I, I really do. And again, I, I love those fits that we've got with like JJ with Mike McDonald and maybe Penix in Miami where I just, every time I watched Michael Penix play, I thought to myself, Dolphins offense. Dolphins offense. Love these mock drafts. So there you have it. Mock draft 1.0. We will be back with more draft content as this draft season rolls out. Remember to follow us on social media at Joel Clatt Show. Remember to send us mailbag questions. Um, the Joel Clatt Show mailbag at gmail.com. Fire those off because we're going to continue to do mailbag episodes. And then make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening or for, for sure on YouTube. T or excuse me, on <laughs> on YouTube so that you can join in the comments below. Uh, all right, that'll do it for Mock Draft 1.0. Again, more draft content coming up shortly, and enjoy your week, everybody.